Welcome to Making the Dough Show. I'm John Cohn. I'm Nate C. Murray. And we are we are on a remote call today. Normally we're in the same room when we record, uh, but that's not the case today. It's true. So if our, our uh, untouchable charisma and patter is off a little bit, it's because I can't see John right now, and I use a lot of visual cues to know what the heck to say by uh, kind of staring at him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, and you're right about to go uh, on a little trip. Uh, funny where I just came from. You're you're about to go to Reno, right? Yeah, I am going to Reno. And for years, uh, Gamma, the show, well, you just came back from, right? Dovetailed into my annual Happy Place trip to Reno, which is uh, a trip that was started by one of my best friend's fathers forty years ago. And all of those men went to Reno together, 20, 50 guys at some points. And now the sons go. And his father still comes with him. So we have nicknames. We have places we'll go. I have people from Reno texting to make sure I'll come to the casino. We are known in town. And so we come in like a whirlwind. And what always used to happen year after year was Gamma was the same week of March Madness because John Ward would say, that's why I book it here. And then this year, for the first time, it changed. Mm-hmm. And so I had a choice of either going to Gamma and staying in Reno for a total of 10 days, which is a lot of Reno, or skipping Gamma. And now, tomorrow, I get to go to my happiest time of Earth. This is Christmas Eve, John. We're recording on <laughs> Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah. So I will be doing and, – and I have some I, – I, there will be some shamings of you and Spencer and Ryan uh, as we talk about your Gamma experience. But But for me – Christmas Eve tomorrow, <laughs> you know. So you went to Gamma. I did go which to is, Gamma, uh, which is a trade show, not a consumer-facing show. This is only uh, publishers. Ma- it's meant for manufacturers. It's the Game Association of Manufacturers Association. They have association in there twice. Don't question me. Um, but you went out there. How was your experience? How was the trip? I had a great time. So last year, I kind of set a precedent of having a great time at uh, Gamma because I came as just purely a game designer pitching games, which while it's it's somewhat done, it's not usually the place that everybody goes to pitch games to publishers. Um, but I was coming off of a bunch of shows of Gen Con and Origins and uh, PAX Unplugged and stuff like that where I hadn't sold anything. Uh, and then I came into Gamma and, and sold four games uh, over a couple of days. And so that was a really exciting trip. And so I was very excited to go to Gamma again this year. I feel like it uh, kind of created a nice little special place in my heart. And this year uh, was definitely a, a lot different than last year. You know, I'm not really pitching games anymore um, just because I've had a lot of work over the last year. Um, so mostly I was having dev meetings and some meetings for Bread and Circuses to try to see if there were some partnerships that we could establish. Um, and I had a great time. Weird thing uh, right on the front end. I know there was like a lot of cool stuff to talk about, but the coolest thing to me was I somehow managed to get put in the exact same room as last year. Mm-hmm. No way. I couldn't the believe The same it. room with the fancy tub and all yeah. this stuff? Yeah, and so I know that there's a, like, I told this to people and they're like, yeah, sure, you know that all the rooms look the same, right? I'm like, yes, I'm aware <laughs> that the rooms are meant to look the same. But um, it was a very specific reason why it was, yes, there is a tub three feet from the bed. Uh, there are mirrors on the walls and the ceiling around the tub, which is is weird, Uh uh, I, I fight at both times. I fought with whether or not I should take a, a dip in the tub and whether or not it's worth it to get hepatitis. And both times the answer was yeah. yes. 
Uh, <laughs> That's very nice. You don't have the same level of germiness as me. I uh, I have trouble. I, I typically uh, with... do, but you know what? I, it was the novelty of it. I was like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch like six episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and I'm going to turn the jets on. Uh, so oh, so nice. I did it. But um, no, it was a corner room, and I remembered because last time. So it's kind of got this Venetian gaudy. Uh, theme to it, the Peppermill Resort and Casino in Reno, Absolutely. which is where uh, Gamma takes place. So um, you, I looked out of the window and I was overlooking this pool that was under construction and right at my eye level, there was this red laser lining an outdoor kind of bar where there's these fire pits and this kind of weird little infinity fountain. Um, but there's this red laser that was right at my eye height last year. And I, and I wouldn't have remembered the room being exactly the same if it had not been for that laser, which cut in the exact same way. Uh, so I, I had the same room twice uh, in two years, which I, I feel like with a, especially the size of that venue is it's, Pretty pretty crazy odds. Uh, that, no, that's hilarious. And that that bar you speak of, I believe that's the Fireside Lounge. Yeah, I think you are correct. Yeah, I didn't end uh, up going there because it was yeah. snowing. Uh, but... Yeah, your your boy knows Reno. <laughs> uh, but yeah, actual work that got done. It was great. I got to um, sign a game that I had kind of somewhat built on spec uh, for a, uh, a publisher. Uh, they had asked me. They showed me a game that they had made previously, and said, you know, can you make this a little bit better? Uh, and we'll release it as a, as a, you know, whatever you create it, which is kind of what I was assigned when I made Ghostbusters Blackout, which was here's a game as a template. You've got this sort of a theme. You've got this sort of component cost. What can you make based off of this um, sort of template? And so I, I made a game on spec for that, and it, it went. the meeting went very well. Um, so I, I'm getting a contract on that, which was a lot of fun. And then I met, got to see some really cool updates on games like Ghostbusters. We had the box there at the IDW. Yeah, booth. that looked great. Uh, a game I made called Animalchemy. Uh, there was a test deck that was printed, and it got a lot of good reception. The art is unbelievable. Um, and then I got to meet with somebody who's going to potentially help us with our Kickstarter for Council of Verona. Uh, so this is a guy that we're probably going to have a, a three-way call in the next week or two. Um, but he does a lot of things, and all of them are to basically help you pick up whatever holes you have in your, in your strategy or your execution for running a Kickstarter. So if we, for instance, uh, were – this is totally out of the air. Um, we're really bad at social media. They would take over, <laughs> <laughs> they would take over your social media. Uh, or, is one post every three weeks not a good plan, John? <laughs> and it's mostly just to tell people that there's a new episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, we'll, we'll pick that up. We're going to do better. We're going to do better. And if we don't do better, we can hire this person and his company to help us do better. Um, they can help us do you know, Kickstarter videos if, if we weren't making our own Kickstarter videos. And then they'd even help with fulfillment. They'd be able to uh, put together storage spaces, hook you up with manufacturers, uh, get you into better distribution channels. And so so they, they can do any or all of what you need. So he was there representing another company that he does everything uh, there, um, everything from, from soup to nuts, from coming up with – I just realized uh, when we taught that class that from soup to nuts is not actually a, a saying that people know. So I feel like I got no. I got to scale that back. I just remembered I said that then and, and one of the kids raised their hand and goes, what's soup to nuts mean? 
Yeah, those kids also said what's Kickstarter, so... That's true, uh, that's you true. Know, yeah, the well, world is changing. In any case, uh, this company will help you from the conception of your game all the way to fulfillment of your game. Uh, so they can do all of that. So we're obviously we have a lot of those boxes already checked. Uh, but when we talk to him in the next week or two, um, we're probably going to come up with a list of things that we're not super nailed down and, and secure on um, and be able to see if we can get their help uh, to to fill those kind of corners for us. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. So um, with that, uh, because we're bringing on more strategic partners and, and because we're kind of drilling down at what deficiencies we have, I think it's safe to say Verona will will not be happening immediately. Yeah, we're probably going to push it back. Um, I my guess would be two months, um, just kind of based off the conversation I had with him and and what we've sort of been talking about with with our schedules and uh, kind mm-hmm. of where where we need to get with the game. Uh, which yeah. you know it's it's better to do it right than to rush it. I, I, I said this to you before, and I think it's a really good quote that I'm going to butcher. Uh, but the, one of the main guys from Nintendo um, said that if you if you rush a game out the door, it's it's going to suck, and you can patch it later. But people are always going to remember that it sucked. Uh, but if you make a game that's delayed and it's great, it's it's going to be great forever. So yeah, and. It, it's better to I prefer I prefer that. I think Michael deserves that. Um, that's the designer again. And then Patrick, as a legacy to him, who was Crash Games, deserves to have us carry this game to the future well. And uh, speaking of great games that are late, how are we doing on Pun Pong, John? <laughs> uh, we're good. Uh, things are coming Look at up. that. I said the name. You nailed it. Yes, you, <laughs> um, you sure did. Um, no, things are moving along on Pun Pong. We have it basically, um, I, as, as you put it before, uh, if, if we were on a normal schedule for delivery of a game, it would be on the water right now. Um, we're probably looking at a couple of more weeks for fulfillment. Um, we're just getting the final boxes made. They're going to be shipped over to our office where we're going to be doing kind of the final check of quality and assembly, putting the, the – we bought – our rule sheets from a separate manufacturer so we're going to be hand putting those in along with a special little goodie that we're still kind of preparing for everybody uh, to put in the box Uh, and then they'll be shipping out so you know i would i would imagine people could be starting to see pun pong uh arriving in the next uh, five weeks i would say there you go and hey if you want that goodie to be a haiku tweet at us or facebook at us or find us and i'll write you a a special haiku. How can, how can we tweet you? Because you can't tweet me. <laughs> My Twitter's uh, terrible. Nate Seamurray. They, they know how to find me on the Twitters. Uh, Nate Seamurray, go ahead. If you want your pun pong game to have a haiku in it, just just tweet me. I'll write you one. And Give it's not necessarily It's not going to necessarily be in your game that's delivered to you. It could get delivered to anyone. It'll be like when you go to Panda oh, Express and you get a yeah, and you get a fortune cookie. Well, I guess any Chinese <laughs> restaurant you get a fortune cookie. I just I guess I eat at Panda Express too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think they all do it. I think I think Panda is <laughs> the weirdest ex- example of well, all that. We okay. went to, we yeah. went to Panda Express yesterday, and I've still got it on my mind. Okay. Oh, you know where it's depressing? Where? Pickup sticks. Ooh, it's too sweet. 
Like I know oh, anywhere boy. you go is sugar chicken, but that's like sugar chicken. Oh man, I walked in. I was starving. I walked in, went for lunch the other day, and then I, I just got depressed and walked out and had to go eat somewhere else. Oh man, uh, yeah. So th- this is kind of a, a side, quick little story. That's but it's really funny and how depressing it is. Uh, in another lifetime, I worked at a professional theater, the Old Globe Theater, where my job was that I got to like drive around the actors when they weren't on set and basically do whatever they wanted. I was like their their servant. Um, and so once a week I would drive all of the actors to the show over to this, uh, like Vons where they could do their grocery shopping. And there was the Vons, there was a dry cleaner and there was a pickup sticks in this little shopping area. And so I would just sit and like have a drink and eat some food at pickup sticks while I waited for them. Um, cause I'm not going to just like wander around the grocery store. Um, and so they all got it in their mind that I loved pickup sticks. And whenever we'd be driving anywhere, they'd point at the window anytime we'd pass a pickup sticks and go, Oh, John, look, there's a pickup sticks. Oh, it was the oh, worst. It was so embarrassing. Just being associated sad. with pickup sticks. But that has yeah. nothing to do with anything. That's just a, a fun little story of terribleness. Uh, yeah. But speaking of things that aren't terrible, uh-huh. uh, we played a game pretty recently and we had a lot of we fun. We did. Okay. So we played Towers of Arcanos, which is uh, a game. And, you know, there's some bias here because IDW is going to pick up the the distribution level version of this game. But we're still going to break it down. And I think we've decided that as we talk about gameplay, uh, from a design point of view, we're going to lean heavier on you. On you. And uh, I, might, I might talk a little bit about – I'll weigh in, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the production value. Yeah. Um, so I'll say this. It was about my fifth play. It was what? Was it your first? My first, yeah. And and okay, I am I, unbiased because I uh, don't work at IDW. I only make games for them from outside. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. I might be unbiased soon. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't say that on the radio. There's probably a dog wolf you guys just heard. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we played Tower of, of, of Argonos, which is – like leading in has been the only game that I, it, you know, if we go to the scale of, uh, anyway, it's about, um, you are a mage, you have a team of mages and one me- mega wizard, and it's a tile laying worker placement game uh, for victory points. And, uh, then it's also dice drafting. So you, you draft a, there's a pool of dice every round and then each player drafts a dice in order to play on a uh, cardboard disc token that has certain dice conditions. For example, only purple dice may play here, or only even numbers may play here. And you are area control battling for having the most workers on that tile when it closes. And it's a very tight game. Only three workers can fit per tile. The very cool thing is that it builds vertically. So once you complete a tile, uh, you stack on top of either the die or the worker, depending on how you placed, because there are some special uh, conditions and powers in the game. Does that sound like a pretty good overview? Absolutely. And one thing I, I would want to add right off of that is that um, it's not just for looks with the vertical stacking. So a lot of games, I feel like, use a kind of a vertical stacking or, or kind of that third dimension um, as, a, as a gimmick that doesn't really serve any purpose. Uh, in this game, it, it serves an interesting purpose, which is that uh, as you're stacking your towers higher, one of the three sort of scoring um, sections that you can place, your dice or meeples, um, gets more points for every level that you've built. So um, working right. on a higher tower.
tower is really more powerful than a lower tower, and it's not just a visual thing. It's a visual way of telling how many points a place is worth at any given moment. So that, I think that that's a really clever uh, way of incorporating the verticality into the game. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a, And that is a great element of it because you really want to get into those places. It has another great element of, you know, you have your pool of fixed workers and mm-hmm. another ability in the game lets you sacrifice permanently a worker as he becomes a die, essentially, uh, and is stuck forever in a tier. And you don't have that worker anymore, but you get to place an additional worker on your turn. And then lastly, the cool thing is that if there are no die that could help you on a turn place a worker you can instead place them under your spell board, which will give you a, a spell or a augmentation, a, an ability to augment the dice moving forward in a later round. So there's never the frustration of the uh, Pure Spite Sagrada draft where you're definitely you know blocked out of a round. Or Azul has the same thing, where there are moments where we are all spite drafting and completely crushing someone. So less spitey than either of these two, and I'm immediately putting in the camp of those two because I think it's probably that good. I would agree. Um, it, you know, I, I do like games that have a bit of take that to them. If, you, if you've ever played a game I've made, you're, yeah. you're not surprised. Um, but this game has take that in such an interesting strategic way um, that also you can kind of claw your way back from by yeah, using these spells. Um, so it, it makes it an interesting balance between making a malicious move against somebody else and being like, I'm going to just take this uh, square away from you when, when you would normally game in a lot of points. Uh, because it's you, the way you're scoring when you complete a tower is that there are um, a predetermined amount of points that people can win based off of how many meeples or dice they have um, on that on that square. So it's not like I'm like, okay, I gained 13 points on this tower, I gained 15 points. You're going to get some bonus points for placing it, like I said, verticality. Um, but when you close out a place, it's who has the most things on a level that's going to get the most points. Um, so being able to do some sneaky moves to rob someone of that when they've already invested a lot on a on a level of the tower is a very take that kind of nasty move. Uh, but then you can easily mitigate it uh, with spells or by kind of doing that right back. There's a lot of opportunities to, to do it right back to the other player. So yeah, it's a really balanced game in that sense. And it was also super easy to pick up. Like you guys didn't explain the rules at all before we started playing. We just sat down and it was like, you're going to learn it in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. and that was exactly the case. I learned it in the first round because um, it, it was really, really intuitive. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing this game. The, the only thing that made me sad was that it wasn't six players. <laughs> yeah, Our, right. My Friday yeah, night game, game group. group. It's perfect for my Friday night group, but we, we're at six players all the time. Uh, and this may, this may replace us uh, when we're at four, we usually break out Thanos Rising. Uh, but this may replace that in the near future once I get my Kickstarter copy. Well, if you get your Kickstarter copy, and this is how much I love this game. I paid money. I'm, I'm going to get a free IDW copy. I'm going to get one. I paid money for the Kickstarter because it had a fifth-player expansion Ooh. and some extra different meeples that do different powers. Okay, so yeah. that's that's how deep in I, I appreciate this. But I will say um, I did notice this last play with us that uh, – while the verticality is beautiful and I think it'll make people stop at conventions and that's in this day and age you need that you need that convention stopping game that'll mm-hmm. make people come hover I kind of wish the tile art 
popped a little more. Um, I did. I noticed that heavily this time. It was uh, other than dice icons, the tile art is all the same, and and to add some uh, wizard flourish to it um, would have been a really good idea. So maybe in future printings, you might see us step up the colors there. Um, perhaps a little more variation in shape of meeple. There's there's some opportunity to chrome this out and go back and maybe kickstart or do a deluxe de- version that would make this just absolutely show-stopping. And I think when you're looking at games now, unfortunately, you have to look at, even though this is probably the best game I've played all year and the game I'm going to play the most this year, I can now see, uh-oh, we need to improve some things. And that's where gaming has gone. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is interesting because now I'm going to, I'm going to take on the role that you normally take, uh, which is about sure. cost, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the business aspect of it. Um, the difference between, cause how many tiles do they give you in that game? Probably about 15. No, no, it's more than that. It's, it's probably 36, 36. Okay. So yeah. for 36 tiles, if you're saying you want to do a lot of art, um, at, at what point does that start messing with, you know how much how much money you're going to make your bottom line uh, in this game. The 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 difference between choosing one art tile and 36 art tiles, or or maybe you you know split it in half and you do it like there's 18 um, and right. then you just kind of w- double them all. Yeah, I wouldn't unique everything, and I would probably use some shading tricks so that graphic design could come through and and just shade the same piece of art differently, and that would be enough. But this is the nice – these are the, the moments where you can spend a little bit of money to get a lot of return instead of spending a lot of money to get a little return. So when you just want to change the art but you're not changing the size of that disc, that's a sunk cost, right? Because all I'm doing is paying for that art once. But I don't have to get a new die for my cardboard punch because it's going to be on the same die as my old one. Mm-hmm. So that means like a new tile – some alterations should cost me, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 bucks, you okay. know? So doing that 18 times is 900 at, at worst. So less than $1,000 is allowing me to really make every time you flip a tile, my tower looks, oh, look at the vibrant color of this tower and that tower, you know? And I could even do this just through pure graphic design, through probably two hours of graphic design, which you know, a hundred to $200 really. Um, even if you had just color shaded them differently enough so that they really popped and made it wild, that would be a nice change. Uh, the dice in the game already beautiful. No need to touch them. The meeples, um, you have one meeple that's worth two points and the rest of your meeples are worth one. That one meeple that's worth two, could you adjust it just a little bit more? To make it really special and pop, yeah, you could probably do that. A new mold for him is going to cost, or her is going to cost seven hundred. You could do each faction gets a new, a unique wizard. Oh, each which each colored really player, nice. each colored player. So now you're, but see, now this is where you get into the lot of spend for little return. So now I'm seven hundred times four. Now now I can quickly spend myself out of profit on this game, but I think. And, and the meeples probably, as you build the tower, are not as interesting to see. But I think just the tiles alone, with $1,000 of work, you could have a game that looks completely different in the second and third printings. And this is, this will be hopefully an evergreen. Who knows in, in today's market? But that's something that's worthwhile. Investing in different meeple shapes when you cover the meeples so often 
Maybe not for this one. Um, but I, I Especially think just since that they're going to occasionally get covered up. Yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it's just, yeah, to do four different, but you can see that's the difference, right? I can do 18 different tiles for less than I could do two different meeples. Yeah. And so that that's the problem. And then you, you run into pack out issues when, you know, customer service, this whole thing. So, so when you're packing out and changing a game for different printings, if we cha- don't change the card count, or if we don't change the die line for punch, there's opportunity to improve both of those elements without adding huge cost. But when you change the actual physical uh, structure of a game, like the insert or how a meeple looks, or adding uh, adding different things that require molds, or or you know I want to change and throw in some new punch, that means a whole new a whole new die for that punch, and so there's a balance of what is worth investing in and what is oof maybe not even worth the investment. So for, for Arcanos, I think with some real cheap touch-ups, um, it's going to just keep carrying on. And maybe that comes through expansions because the game could do more. It's so tight and so perfect now. And I hate sometimes adding, you know, looseness to a perfect design, but I also really, really like this game and now I'm going to be playing it a lot. So maybe some variation would be okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. The bottom line is we both really like Towers of Arkanos. Yeah, uh, I can't remember our rating scale, but um, I this is the top of my rating scale, which is want to play again. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. uh, in the future, yeah, we're going to cr- try to do more actual games where we, we play things because this is a show about board games. We've realized we're not making them as fast as we thought, so we better start talking about other ones. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh boy! Speaking about things uh, that have nothing to do with board games, uh, we've got kind of a new idea that we're we're kind of talking about doing, um, yes. which was which was your idea. So maybe uh, you should you should fill us in on on this fun new idea. Okay, so uh, this is uh, we'll cover a lot of ground here. Mm-hmm. So what we will be doing is a side podcast called Draft Something. Draft Something is the brainchild of uh, Matt Fantastic, myself, J.R. Honeycutt, and someone else. Um, And what it is is essentially drafting characters to do a thing. Uh, So we have done drafts such as drafting 80s cartoon characters to go on a SWAT mission or drafting presidents to be in a Royal Rumble. Uh, For the purposes of the launch of Draft Something, we'll be doing a very simple thing inspired by uh, Bo – who, hey, by the way, you know, Bo, if you listen, I don't know. You put out a big statement today, and I respect you for it. Uh, Bo, ex, ex-producer of Tabletop, um, and you'll notice I'm not even finishing his first name, nor saying his last, but he is a good friend, and I'm proud of what he said today to date the episode. But Bo put out a call recently, and he said, hey, I'm going to do a death pool for Game of Thrones Season 7. And I said, well, obviously I will be participating. And we went back and forth and we said we would record. And, you know, Bo in his rewatch of the show, he, he said, you know what, Nate? I, I, I don't like the show anymore. And I think it's off its narrative wheels and I don't want to do the death pool. And I said, I respect that. Um, and, and I, you know, to, to a lot of people's criticisms, I, I see that Game of Thrones has become something different and the Starks are all Avengers now and it's ridiculous. Uh, that being said, we're going to do a death pool, John. Yeah, absolutely. So we will be doing a draft and I think we'll likely bring on some, some extra guests for this. Uh, and it'll be season long. 
And what you'll be doing is drafting, uh, and my base pool is the 20 characters that received special Twitter emojis. Okay. So Twitter went out of its way to create 20 special emojis, or as we call them in my household, emojos, uh, for Game of Thrones characters. You will be drafting with a count, uh, uh, Council of Verona, to tie it into something, mm-hmm. uh, point system. So you will have characters, you fill slots of, what is it, one, three, four, five? Yeah. Okay. Well, so zero, that, zero, three, four, five. But we're not. I don't right, think we're going to yes. do zero. Well, I'm. We may, depending on the character count, because I like taking someone else. I like a spite draft. Oh, okay. So removing someone else off the board for someone uh, <laughs> is a valid play. So zero so, points, but it means that nobody else gets any points for that character. Exactly. So <laughs> you know, I like it. Be, so we will be snake drafting. And a snake draft means, say there's four of us. It means if I go first and you go second and say JR is third and Eric is fourth, now to mitigate first player advantage, Eric goes fourth, JR goes third, John goes second, Nate goes first. So that's a snake draft, and it's how you should always be drafting if you're doing any kind of drafting. Uh, and so maybe you, you hit that swing and you take a five and a zero. So what we'll be looking for is players who die. Um, and then as a, a tie break, we, we will have who ends up on the Iron Throne. Okay, cool. And so we'll follow this through the season of Game of Thrones. Uh, and then we may sprinkle in special mini drafts along the way. Uh, favorite, you know, favorite dead dog Mount Rushmore uh, is, a, is a great draft. Dead movie dog Mount Rushmore great is a great draft, you know. So things like that so fans can get interactive and vote with us. And we've and, talked about we got to do – as much as you hated uh, Avengers Infinity War, we got to do Avengers Endgame. Okay, so we'll do Endgame. And for Endgame, what we'll do is a double situation. We'll take the live characters that we think will die, and we'll take, take the snapped characters we think will return. Ooh, okay. And so I'll create a double pool for that. Uh, and if you know me, drafting and gambling are my favorite things. And so I'm very excited for draft something and, and uh, look forward to that soon. Cool. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing that pretty quickly. Uh, we'll probably at least drop the first one here in um, this channel for for making the dough show. Um, but we may right. end up making a separate channel for, for those future episodes so that uh, people who just want to listen to that can just listen to that. Perfect. And if you want to be a guest on that and draft a team, let us know. Yeah. I don't know that it, you know if we have three or four people for the main draft, we might want some guests to come in to do mini drafts with us. Um, and so we'll be talking. You'll you'll probably hear designers we work with and other publishers. I know Jr. I'm sure would want to come on and and maybe Bo comes around. Maybe he uh, you know maybe he decides to to join the pool. <laughs> he's he's still been watching. He's just watching in secret. Well, he's no, he's gonna watch. He's done a full rewatch, and that's what made him quit. Was he did the full watch and just said, you know what, the the how far the rails went on season six just pushed him beyond uh, having. But if I do the heavy lifting of creating the scoring system, he might be kind enough to come on and and go ahead and make some picks. Okay. And as we've learned from the podcast, kind of fun to have someone salty about something on here. Sure, absolutely. Sure, surely we've heard my bad takes on Avengers and. Better Call Saul and, and Blade Runner, Blade Runner and life in general. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh man, Blade those Runner. Are, was but those are the fun conversations. That's true. Yeah, you got to have that. You got to. Yeah. It's not all yeah. sugar. It can't rain. You know, wait. It can't. I was gonna say it can't rain all the time, but that's kind of my outlook. So 
the the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice well, we're we're on season four of our rewatch right now, but this is our like eight three watch of the series. So, uh, we're, oh, wow. we're crazy people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's coming out. Then uh, we should probably go to our things of the week that we are enjoying right now. Uh, right now, I am enjoying a show on Netflix that is about three things. Uh, it's about love and death and robots. Uh, do, do you care to guess what the show's called? Is it called Blade Runner? Nope. Uh, good, good guess. It's called uh, Love and Death and Robots. Um, and so it's. Okay, I've heard a lot about this. Yeah. Oh, Nate, you just turned into being on the telephone with me. Uh oh. Your, vo- your voice is so is so telephony. Uh, while well, you fix that, I'll, t- I'll talk about the show. Um, it's an anthology animated series. It's uh, p- uh, produced by David Fincher and Tim Miller. Basically, they wanted to, quote, create something cool. Um, and that's pretty much what it is. It is a bunch of shorts. They're all anthologies, so they're, none of them have any connective tissue between them whatsoever, other than they're all uh, animated and generally science fiction-y. Uh, I'm about... Five in out of 18. Um, the episodes range from like 20 minutes down to five minutes. So some of them are pretty quick, uh, but I'm super enjoying it so far. There's the first two were really great. Um, and then there was one of them somewhere along the lines that I didn't love. But uh, for the most part, they've been really cool. Um, and I'm su- super excited to see the rest. It's kind of one of those great, like, I've got 20 minutes. I don't want to invest a ton of time into something right now, but I want to watch something cool that I haven't seen before. Um, it really fits into that category. Uh, and it's it's new, it's weird, it's different. It's uh, as as I think St- uh, Tim Miller and and David Fincher intended. It is uh, pretty cool, so I'd, I'd give that a recommendation. Very cool. Okay, yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot about this, and then it's just varied. Is it all? What's the what's like the style? It's the all different styles. Uh, every kind of animation style that you can imagine, except for maybe Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Um, it's all there. It's wildly different from episode to episode. They've got totally different teams behind every episode, uh, writing, directing, producing it. So uh, it, they're, every episode is wildly different. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to check that out for sure. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. And you'll, right. you'll like one of them. It's got, it's got cats. <laughs> That's all I need. I'm sold. I was right, so just what, thinking what, today about. <laughs> well, what were you thinking about a sequel? Oh, I was thinking today we did Perlock Holmes for IDW Games and never did the sequel Fury Artie's Trail. Ah, that'd be great. Mad about it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's what's your thing this week? Okay. So, um, for a new initiative, I've been working on. I've been reading a lot of film scripts. Oh. Um, and so, because of that, I stumbled into a pair of film scripts I'll recommend. Because the new genre that seems to be blowing up heavily is the Groundhog Day genre, the time loop. Oh, right? yeah. Well, we, we loved yeah. both of the Happy Death Day movies. It, it absolutely okay. was, it was great. Yeah, huge fan of Happy Death Day as well. Uh, I have not seen two yet. Um, Russian Doll was, was a very fun thing that is going to keep going. Absolutely. So that's great. Uh, so I've got a pair of scripts for you, John. Okay. Um, one is a blacklist script called Meet cute um and it is about a woman who continues to have the same first date with a man and uh the the driving force behind this and i can see why it made the blacklist uh was because the protagonist uh is very active in what she does so instead of just waking up 
and uh oh, it's the same day again, which is the the crush that most of these things have. Or uh oh, I got killed and I wake up. Mm-hmm. If you haven't figured out what death day is about, um, she is choosing to do what she does to herself, and I won't spoil what that is. But she's making a choice, and so it's a more active driving story. I would also also say that the writer, um, you know, I read a lot of scripts and and love it, but it's a very particular style of writing. It's written more for you know, driving a story forward and hitting dialogue than it is for the reader. Right, it's punchier. But, yeah, exactly. It's, it's punchier. But Meet Cute, she definitely wrote with the intention of you reading and enjoying the script. And so that that made it very fun. Um, and so great rom-com um, and, you know, top of the blacklist and all that. If you don't know what the blacklist is, it's, the, it's a contest that is, and help me if I'm wrong here, but it's the top unproduced scripts in Hollywood, unsigned, unproduced scripts. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they get votes and all that. Now, the difference, and this is why I brought up two and thought this was interesting. The difference is I also read another screenplay called Palm Springs. Now, this one is also time loop. So a girl's going to wake up and she's going to live the same day. Uh, but this one's gone greenlit to feature. Oh, and really? it has talent. Yeah. And it has talent attached. It has Kristen from Kristen Milioti. Damn it, I said a last name. Uh, which is, that <laughs> that's is the a tough mom. One. Yeah, that is the mom from How I Met Your Mother. So she will be the protagonist in this. Oh, okay, all right. So, uh, longer script at 115 pages for a rom-com. That's a bit insane. Super expensive in that uh, they have some crazy death scenes. They have dinosaurs showing up, all kinds of wildness. Uh, and, just going to say it, not as well written. Huh. But, but, a couple of tricks here. Uh, the set pieces are better. So if we live in a world where um, only Marvel movies are being made, every other movie has to step up its visuals. And where Meet Cute failed was it's two people at a bar constantly. Mm-hmm. Where this one succeeds is there's skydiving with no parachutes, there's dinosaurs, there's this, there's that. There's these very movie moments that would make you think, I have to get off my couch and watch this in the theater. So while I might be a fan of Meet Cute, I, I do think it's a good lesson in why Palm Springs is actually moving forward, and the other is not. Is because, you know, do you? That's a the other is a straight to Netflix, which already has the terrible Damon Wayans movie plus the good Russian Doll show. So where does that other? Where does Meet Cute live in a world of low and high budget with middle budget being completely cut out of the equation? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So there you go. So both of these scripts, very easy to find. Uh, if you want to find them, go to scriptshadow.net, uh, and both will be in the comments. So, and Blacklist scripts, you can just Google, Google Blacklist 2019. You'll find all the scripts. There's a bunch of great ones. Cool. All right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, if you're looking to read some scripts and see how uh, that dough is made, uh, you can check out those oh. scripts there. Yeah. Yeah. You like that? I did. I did. That was good. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Um, we're probably going to be yeah, doing their drafts. And then uh, in the future, we have an episode with a couple of exciting guests who uh, I, won't, I won't spoil it now, but uh, it, it should be an exciting episode. Oh. oh, and I forgot to take you to task. So now to end on a down note, I asked you, I'm, as I'm on Reno Eve and so excited, I reached out to you on Thursday through, through the messenger. I go, What'd you do last night? What'd you tell me? 
<laughs> was that was that the night I did nothing? Yes, in in Shangri La, in in Nirvana, in Valhalla, you stayed in your room and worked. Well, I did work, but I did have an interesting story actually that came from it. So I <laughs> so I ordered room service because I thought, why not? I'm living it up. I'm in <laughs> Reno. I'm working in my room all night. I'm not going out. I'm going to order room service. Um, and so I ordered a uh, uh, some food. And uh, I ordered two things because uh, the first thing ended up being inedible. And I ordered them both at the same time thinking, like, I'm really hungry. But in the end, I was just really glad that I ordered two things because my, my – uh, now, it's probably my, my fault for ordering a chicken fried steak. But I thought, chicken fried steak? I've never had one of those. Why not? Let's live it up. I'm in Reno. Uh, it was it was inedible. Uh, well, I, that's not necessarily true, but it, it tasted terrible. So I, um, I I put it out. So I recovered it, covered it again with the metal top. Um, I put it out in the hallway. I closed my door and I forgot about it. I wake up the next morning. All of the metal things are gone, strewn about, and somebody ate the steak. <laughs> Now that person is doing Reno correctly. <laughs> the steak That was, is how you do it. The steak was gone and there were little bits of the fried coating all the way down the hall at the ice machine. Um okay. and, and now and that that's one thing. But like I left some like soup out as well and the soup was gone too. Like the the jar was there, the cup that it came in, but the the contents of it were gone. So I'm guessing somebody chugged some very cold soup in the middle of the night in the hallway. Uh, and I was at the end. I was in a corner room. I was at the end of the hallway. So somebody had to, like, search this out. That is, that, that is how to Reno. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So there, there we go. We'll close, we'll close on that. <laughs> very good. All right. All right. Well, the, if, if you're going out and sleeping in a bed at a hotel, you're probably still having a better time than if you bought your bed at Mattress Firm. And if you're looking for just some good, new-agey, non-time-loop stuff, Castle. It's a fish-out-of-water story about a writer who thinks he's a cop. Check it out on ABC. <laughs> Perfect. All right, that's it. That's it.